Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. You can watch us on the simulcast stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. On this glorious Wednesday morning. Astros won last night. It was um, they still struggling to score runs at home. I mean, it's just a struggle. If not for El Pedro, I don't know how they'd ever score a run. I mean, uh, you know, at home. It, it, it's just a constant struggle. But Verlander pitched well. I figured he would because he kind of, they kind of, when the last time he faced the Mariners, they roughed him up. They hit, I don't know what, four home runs or whatever it was. They kind of, they kind of roughed him up, and I figured he'd have a little bit of a um, a bounce back and be kind of motivated and figure out what they they really hit him early in the count. So I'm sure he mixed some things up. He 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 did a good job. Rafael Montero's had two bad outings in the last three games. Now uh, I don't know what's going on with him. Well, he's not throwing strikes and. He's missing not badly. It's not like he's all over the place, but he's just kind of barely missing. And so we got to get Montero back on on track. Neris got suspended for what? I don't know. I mean, it was just silliness. Like nothing happened. uh, Lopez, assistant coach for the Astros and Scott Service, who's an ex-Astro catcher, started mouthing at each other from across, you know, from dugouts, and the two teams went and did a little dance by home plate. Nothing happened. No one was even hit. And then why are you suspending people when nothing happened? And only two had suspensions, didn't it? Only uh, Dusty Baker and Hector. No one else got suspended. But why? I don't know. I think if you fight and you actually, like, Make contact. I think but yes, there was it no could possibly fighting. warrant for an suspension. Yeah. But they just kind of just words. I don't. That's that's yeah. It, and, and they just kind of sit there. And Julio Rodriguez was holding Naris. They were laughing. I mean, it, you know, it's I don't. Know. Julio Rodriguez always laughs. That guy. He has a. I mean, he's on top of the world right he's now. He's always going to be top of the world. Yeah, yeah, that cat is on top of the world. He he is really something. It's his first year in the yeah, he, league, he so is, he's going to be. Ecstatic. He is having a ball, and he should be. And it's um, I I, I don't like today's matchup because Urquidy has not been good, and um, your little pitcher has been very good. His mm-hmm. ERA starts in, with a two, and, and and the second number is below five. I mean, it, <laughs> I mean, it, he, he's been really good. So hopefully, the Astros can figure out a way to scratch three or four runs off. And I mean, it, I mean, it, they just never seem to score any runs. But sc- scratch three or four runs, uh, and I don't know. I don't think Urquidy matches up very well. Last time Urquidy pitched against Seattle, it was really ugly. It was by far the worst outing of his career. So maybe he'll have a bounce back too. We'll see how. How that plays out. 
All righty. Uh, normally, I say <laughs> it's work for one. Normally, I say you want to win a game, fire your manager. And it worked for the Phillies. It worked for just about everybody. I guess there's some sort of rule, like if you have two MVPs on your team, then it don't work. You know, like it worked for the Phillies. They fired Joe Girardi. They've won five in a row, the Phillies. Fire, you want to win? Fire your manager. Well, the Angels yesterday, the Fighting Otanis, they fired their manager, old Merlo Joe. And, uh, and, and it, they look like they might win, but they lost. Maybe if they had three MVPs on their team, they would win. Uh, if they had no the MVPs, maybe they would win. <laughs> maybe if they had no MVP. Exactly. You're getting it. You're getting it. <laughs> no MVPs means you're noticed enough because you got the wins, but you're not noticed enough you actually get an MVP. That's what right. you need to happen. Right. So people but don't know who see, you you're, are, you're, and they're confused. You're, you're, you're oh. getting it. I, I I don't know. Maybe if they had three MVPs, they wouldn't have to fire Merlo Joe. He 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 would have been just uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe and and they got Phil Nevin. Phil Nevin is their n- new manager. Like that makes me want to beat him even worse. Phil Nevin, psycho. That guy's psycho. <laughs> that guy was awful for us. Awful. Phil Nevin is there, man. It makes me, because I always liked Joe Madden. Really, he seemed like a cool guy. I always liked Joe Madden. Usually the word Madden you bring, you know, brings good things to your cannot, life. Cannot, right cannot stand Phil Nevin. <laughs> so now I want to beat the fighting MVPs even worse. Is it even worse? Is it even more? Or you wanna, I want to like, beat them even worse. So my, you're okay with paying the Piper game two of a game against them if you beat them by like 11-1. Yeah. If we're going to do that against them, I'd rather go. If, you might as well go all the way to 16 or 17. Although I don't know if the Astros could score 17 runs in a game. I mean, like uh, the, way, the way they're swinging the bat right now, I, I, I think they'd have to, the other team would have to walk like 20 batters for the Astros to score 16 runs. <laughs> it's unbelievable they can't hit. You need, you need all of the grand slams to get 16, 17 runs. So unless you're the fighting Otanis, if you want, other than them, if you want to win, fire your manager. It worked for the Phillies. Phillies were a disaster show. They fired their manager. They won five in a row. Unbelievable. Maybe they were too distraught that they lost the manager, so they lost. No, I think they just have <laughs> too many. You know, <laughs> their little, the, the, yeah, their, their little daily MVP convention before the game, it, it, it just messed it all up. All right, let's um, go to the game hotline. Hello. Foot, what's going on? How are you, sir? I, I, I know you like the Saints moves, but the biggest move for the Saints this offseason is the Cleveland Browns offering Deshaun Watson a fully guaranteed contract because Watson and the Browns are about to get what they deserve. I, I, don't, I don't think Watson might not play again in the NFL ever. Oh, come on. I don't believe that. Okay, he's about to get hammered. I, I, I think I think he's not. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. We're all guessing, but I I'm starting to think he's not going to play next season at all. But oh, I, next season he's not playing at all. Right, I don't I, think I, he's I'm playing next playing season. Again. But I, but but why would he not start 2023 season? Why I don't I don't get it. But do you see what what, what what keeps coming up? That they got another. That's 24, and and he offered 24 women. $100,000 each to, to drop it. And they said, no, I mean, if you didn't do nothing, why are you offering twenty four, dollars I mean, look, to I, I don't women? think they basically, again, I haven't followed this very closely, but what I've seen, they basically admitted he was guilty. 
I mean, they're not even really denying it. And and, and so um I I, I don't I but I, I really expect that he'll be playing by twenty twenty three. Well, I, I I think it'll be more than one year. If 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 the boy from Oakland got one year for betting on the on the NFL, I mean this has to be more than a year. I mean, yeah. we're we talking about twenty four women, not four, no twenty four. Big Ben, how many games did he miss? Six. Yeah, for for one. Now we're talking twenty four. I mean, it has to be more than a year. Foot. I mean, think about it. I mean, oh, I mean, I, I can't declare. I mean. I don't care if he ever plays again. I'm just saying I I, I expect him to play two years from now. Well, we'll see. But I think I think Deshaun Watson is in hot water, and I think he's going to get more than a year. Remember sure. it. Remember it. He's not. He has zero criminal charges. Zero. Well, remember this is 24 women, not one or two. That's so, true. I mean, that's true. It, it, we'll see what happens. All right. Talk to All you right. later. Take care. No, I mean, again, he's guilty. I think we're at the point with Deshaun, like, they basically admitted that he's guilty. It's just how bad is the crime in the minds of all the people? And is baseball, I mean, is is the NFL really going to get rid of one of their best players when he has zero criminal charges? I I I I'm thinking that he won't play at all this year, and um, but he'll be back the following year. But we'll see. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. I want to um, piggyback on the last call. Uh, uh, my, this is this is crazy to me. I know the last call is a Robert Kraft worshiper. I know Robert Robert Kraft is his idol. Why not mention that? This man wasn't even punished for any of that. You know what I'm saying? This is a, an true. owner of a team. Yeah, that's true. Situation with Daniel Snyder. Like I said, Watson, he's he's, he's going to get sacrificed for the league. You know, players are the sacrificial lambs for the league. So, you know, he's going to get a year. The, all this court of public opinion, whatever, man. Let, let's call it what it is. Most of these women was uh, were escorts. Let's call it what it is. Let's stop playing. Let's stop being naive about this whole thing. Like you know what I'm saying? Like we live, we live in this fake world where you know we we think we so morale, we so this and that. Stop being fake. You know what I mean? But so I didn't call for that. But anyway, um, I was thinking about the summer project, uh-huh. right? And and I started thinking like, hold on, did anyone mention Ralph's? Uh, Ralph Sampson hitting that shot against the Lakers in '86. No, and and, and I and I did th- I did think about it, and um, um, the only reason why I don't know that I would, I mean, it was it was awful. Was that it was like that was one of them weird two out of three series, and uh, I you know I don't know how good the Lakers were that year, but but no, I did think about that, and and I remember exactly where I was watching that game. That was awful. He, he threw this kind of back. Crazy shot and it went in. Yeah. Um. Also, let me let me another thing too. I, w- I was thinking about this project. So I was thinking I was driving down the street or the interstate. And I was thinking, is this because I have some heart? You said heartbreaks, right? Heartbreaking. Yeah. Is this is this what? So 
that could be anything. That could be a player getting injured, a key player getting injured, and their their final hopes went away. Well, um, I mean, I, really, it's heartbreaking losses. So it would be like. I mean, it wouldn't be like your starting quarterback gets hurt and then you win the game. It's more about losses, you know, technically. A game loss? Yeah, that's what. That's really what I'm thinking about. I mean, what? What? I guess we could because, discuss you know, other a situation things. Where, what about a situation where, let's say you're a fan of a player like Shaq, and you want Shaq to win a scoring title, and then David. You now I know you don't care about stuff like that, but I'm just saying for like most fans, you know, I'm looking at childhood. You want Shaq to win the scoring title, and then David Robinson just scores seventy plus points and he wins the scoring right, title. Right. Yeah. Or, no, or get- a situation like. Hey, I remember this like yesterday, man. I know we talked about this. Well, we didn't talk about it. The 88 uh, slam dunk contest. Like, I felt Dominique Wilkins was robbed. Like, you know, nah, I, I know that this is not a game. I know that's like a, just an exposition type of situation. But but heartbreaking losses. Okay, well, that's still, I guess, losing the scoring title. But, okay, you talk yeah, about Yeah, no, you know, I, I get it. Game. I get it. It can be discussed. It can be discussed. But I think we'll stick with games. It's easier, but no, yeah. that's the slam dunk competition. Is a you know, it's a that'd be an interesting, um, be an interesting one to angle to to discuss. Yeah, back then it was great in the eighties, but now I don't know, just not. But you brought Man, up I, you I, brought I, up one that I'm bringing a report, and I still wouldn't it wouldn't sway me from what from what I see, man. I think the whole thing is just is wild, man. And look, you heard about I heard you heard about the new angle. The what? Texans are in on this now. Like they basically, some people say, "Oh, the Texans enabled this man." Because they, they said it was sixty-six uh, masseuses or or whatever. You know what I mean? I, I just think, you, you know, I'm not saying I, I condone his behavior, but something's going to happen. He's going to get suspended because of all these all these so-called activists are coming out, whatever. But man, let's call it what it is, man. These are these most of these women were escorts, and they're just trying to get paid, man. You know what I'm saying? So, so we're going to get them in court of public opinion. But well, we have Robert Kraft worshippers not calling out Robert Kraft. You know what I mean? All right, thank you. All right, take care. All right, let's do this. Let's take a timeout. But getting back to the original kind of point that Troy made, it, it, if you're a Saints fan, you're thinking, I'm good with the way things worked out. I'm talking about from a pure football standpoint. You're... you're 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 saying okay I'm glad I'm good with the way things worked out certainly understand that but I look I could be wrong and Troy could be right but I I don't I think he'll be there 2 years from now I believe that but we'll see All righty we'll take a time out come back with more on the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana Sports Station your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Z28. Z28. Now, a running back with great speed and start and go ability, like a Chevy Camaro that plays for the New Orleans Saints, also known as Alvin Camara. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foot and Footnotes. Welcome back 
to footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You're home for LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Speaking of the Astros, want to remind you that today is the last day. If you would like to become eligible for the, I was going to say drawing, however they do it. If you would like to be eligible to win the great Astro Getaway 2 prize where they see the White Sox on Saturday, June the 18th, that's inside of two weeks now, where you could win four tickets to the game, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday evening, then you need to go to the website, join the Astro Clubhouse. No, join the Game Clubhouse, and you might win those four tickets tour of the park, and hotel accommodation. Astro Weekend Getaways powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian, Houston Downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Again, this is the last day, so register today. All right, we have with us our weekly Wednesday guest, Mr. Koki Riley. How are you, sir? I'm doing really well, Kevin. What's up? What a regional that was in Hattiesburg. Really, just about every game was close or competitive or crazy or something. Exactly. Um, yeah, it was some of the some of the craziest baseball I've seen in, the, uh, in, in a four-day stretch. Four games in four days, and there was something to, I, I, I guess, take away or be behold of, uh, beholden of um, in that week. You know, going in, uh, we talked about, I, I really thought Southern Miss had le- a legitimate pitching staff. Now, LSU got to them at times, and, and and LSU roughed up their closer, who's really had a pretty good season. Um, but uh, kind of what, what, after seeing the games, what, what were your impressions of each of the teams? Um, I, I think in terms of each team's strengths and weaknesses and all that sort of stuff, it was more or less what I thought it would be. You, you knew heading in Southern Miss had the best pitching, and I think they proved that, even though they did get roughed up by LSU a couple times. Uh, I think Kennesaw State had some moments with their offense, especially in that first game. Um, and then LSU uh, sort of proved that their offense can beat anyone at any time, and when they're and when they're pitching well, they're very, very hard to beat. Problem is, they weren't pitching well enough, uh, often enough, uh, to win this regional. I, I don't know if you if you looked at it, and I and I I saw some somebody on Facebook say what it was. What was LSU's ERA for the regional? Did you did you ever see that um, team ERA for the regional? See it or I yeah, I didn't calculate that or see that, but I I did put together um, some numbers with the bullpen specifically. Um, I believe they have 17 earned runs in 20, in, and 24 hits in 22 innings pitched. So that gives you in maybe at not quite as good of an overall picture sense of how their pitching was this weekend, but it kind of gives you an idea of what exactly went wrong for them, um, especially in those last two days. You know, I think most of us, thought that when when LSU tied the game um, in, in the decider game, I, I think you got to give Southern Miss credit because LSU, I'm, I'm, I know LSU's pitching was bad. I get all that. But I'm talking about at that particular moment in time, in the deciding game, L, they had a they were down by three. They came 
back and tied it. And at that point, LSU had all the momentum. Uh, the pitching change to go away from their closer at that point obviously was a very good one. But I think you got to give Southern Miss credit for for finishing the deal when it looked like it had slipped away. Yeah, I, I was stunned that they'd even tied the game, that LSU could find the, the strength to muster some sort of comeback again. Um, after they've had to bail out this pitching, they had to bail out that pitching staff so often during the regional. Even in the games they won, if you think about it, uh, they're probably not in those spots if the pitching is just, if the bullpen just pitches better. Um, not so much in the second loss, but especially in the in, not in the second win. I, I mean, but especially in the first win when they were down eleven to four. And it, they were just getting rocked by that Kennesaw State lineup, which is a good lineup, but uh, you need to pitch better in order to gather regional than give up 11 runs through, what, the first five, six innings of the game? I mean, that game feels like it was so long ago now. But anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, I was, I was just kind of stunned that they tied the game. So I, I wasn't um, thinking as much of it as, oh, Southern – Southern Miss is going to lose this or LSU is going to win this. I was just sort of ready for anything to happen at that point. Um, and, yeah, you're right, though. Definitely give Southern Miss credit for, for getting that extra run and sort of um, starting to string some hits together against Razorland because they really had trouble against him in the eighth. All right. So what's so strange to me is, I remember the very first interview we had, one of the questions I asked is, what in the world's going on with Ole Miss? And Ole Miss ended up, after having this disappointing season, uh, and and once they played well in Baton Rouge, that, what, second to last weekend of the season, and then then played okay in the conference tournament, I was kind of thinking – uh, I was not surprised at all. They went to Miami and were and, and played very well. But the thing that's so strange to me is if LSU had won that game, they'd be hosting, and I'd feel pretty good about their chances getting revenge after getting LSU would be in a great position with all their weaknesses hosting a super regional had they won this regional. Yeah, they would have had a pretty good <laughs> shot. And it, it's it, crazy. I think if the tur- before the tournament had started, if you had asked them that this was going to ask an LSU fan that this was going to happen this could happen, I should say, then, uh, or there's a very good chance of this happening, I think they would be very happy about that, and they would have every right to. But I, I just think after seeing some of the pitching problems that they had, the, the amount of walks that they had, the, um, just, the, just how much they had to keep on leaning on this bullpen that was clearly cracking underneath the, underneath the pressure uh, that the starters had cr- kind of created for them, um, I, I think if you consider all that, I probably would have picked Ole Miss in that scenario. Um, but I can definitely see why you'd pick LSU. I mean, LSU would def- would probably have, probably if not definitely have the best offense heading to that sort of series, and it would be a really fun matchup. Um, that would probably go three games. So I, yeah, I, I mean, it that would have been um, uh, really really entertaining you know, LSU Ole Miss matchup at Baton Rouge for the Super Regionals, but. Instead, we get Ole Miss versus Southern Miss in Hattiesburg, which, I mean, that place is going to be absolutely rocking for that one. Yeah, I think that'll be a fun series to follow as well. All right, so where in your mind 
does LSU go from here? Someone called yesterday and asked me, you know, what, what, what should an LSU baseball fan feel right now? And my response was, if two years from now they're having these same issues, you should, you know, that's really troubling. I, I would think that the makeup of this team and the, you know, would be a little different next year and really different two years from now. But uh, how, how do you how do you kind of see LSU moving forward after the, what this first year under Coach Johnson? Yeah, that's a great question, and, and I think um, I even asked Coach Johnson like like what's what's the path forward with the pitching specifically because I think offensively, I mean, if you have any question marks about this offense moving forward, I, I think you're. I, 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 you're, I don't think I think you're probably overthinking it at the very least. Yes. Um, just because Dylan Cruz and Josh Pearson are coming back next season, Jay Johnson's track record with offensive players and hitting in general is, has been really incredible, especially uh, when you look at some of the some of the bats he's he's developed at Arizona. Um, uh, and none of them are even as talented as Dylan Cruz, I think. But anyway, uh, so I. I think their offense is going to be great for as long as he's there, pretty much. Um, my, their, their lineup might not be as deep next season, but either way, uh, they're going to hit the ball well. Um, but to my but to my main point, I, I just think they have to find starters and good starters who can go six, seven innings on a fairly on a fairly consistent basis. Um, maybe they can't find top notch guys for every for all three of those days, but they need to find an ace who's more, who's better than, than someone like Mikhail Hilliard. If Mikhail Hilliard was their third starter, they'd be fine, right? He could occasionally go five or six innings, um, but it, he isn't necessarily a lock to do that uh, because of his low-velocity fastball. His curveball is amazing. But when you're throwing 88 at this level, consistently like that, it's hard to lean on you as that ace type, that guy that you need six or seven innings in order to help out your bullpen. And it just sort of got to the point with the starters that they kept on going, only going three or four innings, if that. And when you do that, you're just putting more and more pressure and more and more exposure on your bullpen. And then you see something like this past weekend happen where the bullpen just absolutely falls apart even if that unit was actually pretty good for them for most of the season. So I, I feel like they're in a decent spot with their bullpen overall moving forward, um, at least from, uh, from a developmental standpoint. I don't, I don't think this has, this has anything to do with the pitching coach, Jason Kelly, who I think has done an excellent job. And if anything, they've done um, more with less this, this past season from a personnel standpoint. So I, I just think they need to add, with, add starters and reliable ones. Um, and with with one of the top recruiting classes of the nation had come coming in this past this for next season, uh, I, I think that's really going to help them out. So yeah, I mean, I, I, do not use this season as the uh, the be all judgment for Jay Johnson. Um, I think this is a pretty solid start, all things considered, and and promising given how much fight this team had, given how good they were offensively. Um, given how good their bullpen was even at times. But they just need to juice up their personnel with the starters. And if they can do that, then they're going to be really tough to be moving forward. Right. So in terms of the way he runs the program, the way he handled the ups and downs, and his relationship with the players, do you have a good feeling that 
all of that work, and you mentioned the fight they had to the end, probably is a pretty good indication that that dynamic is is good. I mean, I guess we'll see it, you know, whatever happens in a transfer portal somewhat. But do you have a good feeling about that part of things in his first year? I think you have to feel good about that part. Um, I, I think those first two wins were all a product of them buying in as a team and them buying into Jay Johnson and all that sort of stuff because they looked like they were dead in the water in both games. And this team just... They just kept on plugging away, and they had a – and there are few teams uh, – I, I think this team had an incredibly steady heartbeat, uh, and they sort of took on the personality of their coach, who I, I've explained this before on this show, has an extremely steady heartbeat and never gets too high, never gets too low. Obviously, he was upset after their season ended, but who wouldn't be? But it, But other than that, I mean, he's the same guy when they win. He's more or less the same guy when they lose. And you kind of see that in, in those in those really tight moments when they're down by four runs in the ninth inning um, with a trip to the losers bracket on the line. When they're down eleven to four in the eighth inning uh, with a with a with a trip to the losers bracket on the line, like you see that sort of stuff uh, pop out with this team. And I and I, I just I just feel like from a culture standpoint from a buying in standpoint, they are in the right place. I, I think, I think this this meltdown, if you want to call it that, uh, with the pitching staff has nothing to do with uh, with a clashing any sort of clashing heads or any sort of uh, they need more motivation and nothing like that. And Jay Johnson explained that after his press conference, and I totally agree with him. This is a personnel problem, um, and that's and I think that's. It's going to sound weird, but that's kind of a that's kind of good news, right? Because if the culture's there, then all you need to do is just find the right guys to fit into that. Um, and I think that's kind of in the spot where they are right now with their pitching staff, especially. All righty. So before I let you go, did I see this or hear this or, or notice this right? If the if the Major League Baseball playoffs started today, the Red Sox would be part of it. Yeah. <laughs> unbelievably right is that unbelievable i mean it tells you how quickly things can change not just in major league baseball but baseball in general where um i i think i saw a stat this morning i forget the date exactly but the red sox have the best record of baseball since i believe at some point in like early mid mid to early may that they've gone 18 17 since that certain point so things just change on the hat um, this team was always too talented not to be in the hunt or, or you know, to be a 10, 10 games under 500 team. But uh, I know it's crazy it, <laughs> that it, it happens this quickly. Yeah, it, it, it is. Oh, look, I appreciate your time as always. Thank you very much. And uh, catch your breath after that regional. That was something. Uh, it really was something. Thanks again for having me on. Kevin. All right. Take care. Koki Riley of the USA Today Network. And, yes, he, um, he, he saw quite a regional in – as we've established, he is a Red Sox fan. We got quite a few Red Sox fans, and uh, some like watching them win, and some like watching them lose. And uh, they've been doing a lot of winning lately, and uh, not not a not a huge surprise. And really, they can all thank the Astros because um, the Astros are the are the team that kind of got it kick started. So I, I'll, I'll take credit for the Astros' wins and 
I don't know what you say, fortunately or unfortunately, the Red Sox win. Depends on where you stand on that subject. All right, we'll take a timeout. Come back and get back to our footnote summer project on this Wednesday. We'll be back on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you fluent in footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Benedict Arnold's. Benedict Arnold's. Now, an NFL expansion team that stole a bunch of Saints players and coaches when first created, also known as the Carolina Panthers. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Want to remind you, Wednesday, June the 22nd. Wait a minute. That's two weeks from today. Two weeks from today. We are going to be at Buffalo Wild Wings on Ambassador Caffrey for the 10th birthday bash for the game. Again, Wednesday, June the 22nd from 5 to 9 at the game, the game's 10th birthday bash. There will be plenty of delicious wings and other foods, amazing door prizes, and lots of sports conversation centered around crunch time. Miguez and Mesh will be broadcasting live, so come join us. Is it is it accurate to say, how, how do you say that? We on fleek at B-dubs? How would you say, is that accurate? Um... I wouldn't exactly use fleek there. Okay. If it, I don't really have after, any idea what that means. After but. the fact, if like it was a really good party, yeah, then you would say it was on fleek. It was okay. on fleek at beat at beat ups oh, okay. with the game. That's what you would say afterwards. All right. Okay. Well, I'm sure if we if you get to go, you'll be on fleek at beat ups after yeah. the game. You maybe we'll, to, make, we'll all be able to say that. Maybe we'll have foot. will be there and we we'll take pictures with foot because yes. and him being angry. That might be what we. All right, before we get back to the game hotline, uh, we, we, we got to get something straight on our footnote summer project. Uh, this is not like some scientific poll, okay? This is the footnote summer project. So yesterday, someone gave what on the surface and for most other shows would be a legitimate suggestion for our NBA week. And what the person suggested was, was that um, Magic's hook shot in 1987 in the NBA Finals at the Garden um, would be a suggestion for our most heartbreaking moments. But, of course, my response was that was the single best moment in NBA history. And, And I don't know what number two is, but it ain't even close to that one. In my mind, that was... When when Magic hit that hook shot in in the Garden and beat the Celtics, that was no question in my mind. The single best moment in NBA history. And that was incredibly triumphant. There was nothing heartbreaking about it. Nothing. It um, It was incredible. And so that suggestion didn't quite make it in my mind. So... I'm not saying it's impossible, 
I don't know. I, I think it's pretty close to impossible to have someone to have a Celtic loss on here, but uh, it'd be it'd be pretty close to impossible. But it's certainly not that one. Because again, when Magic hit that hook shot in the lane in the garden to beat the Celtics, it was. And number two is not even close. The single greatest moment in NBA history. There was absolutely nothing heartbreaking about it at all. It was great. Uh, Speaking, though, of the garden, that ugly place, I... um, there was one that, and I'll, I'm about to go over the list, and Jay brought up the, the Samson shot in 1986, which was crazy. The first round of the playoffs that year, it was two out of three, and the Rockets beat the Lakers in the game, and the Lakers played terrible. But but, but, the, but the, the shot that, that won the game for them uh, at the forum, Samson Kind of shot the ball backwards. It was weird. You have to, I can't even, it was such a goofy shot. I can't even explain it really, other than he shot the ball backwards. I mean, he just threw it up. He had no form to it. It was awful. And somehow it it went in. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Morning, Foot. How you doing this morning? Oh, good, sir. How are you? Did you stay up late? Oh, I never stay up late, man. I I, I get my rest. I, my, my, I love my Red Sox to death, man. I I don't I I can't I, I never stay up to watch them. I pass past nine ten o'clock, man. Oh, that, that that it's makes for a long day the next oh, day. Oh yes. You I'm... know, and speaking about things on fleek, my Red Sox are on fleek on huh? six in a row. I, I think that makes it. I, they I, they beat they helped y'all out and beat the Otanis last night. The little old Tawnies. But, no, like I don't know if you were listening, but I, I think I saw that if the playoffs ended today, the Red Sox would be in it. But that didn't take long. You know, I was hearing oh, talk yeah. a month ago, oh, they out of it, they in trouble and all. And, and now already we're just starting the second week of June today, and they're already in the playoffs. That's right. And, and Paul better watch out because they'd beat the beat Yankees and send them home early. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, I mean, it's – like I, I wanted to say yesterday, because I was like, you were kind of on the. Uh, uh, I didn't have much time to talk to you on the. Uh, you had to take a, a break, but uh-huh. this Yankees team kind of reminds me of. I forgot what year it was, but when the Seattle Mariners won over a hundred games, I forgot yet what year that was. I think Felix Hernandez was their pitcher, uh, one of their pitchers, Ichiro. Was kind of in his prime. They, yeah, they won 116 games. It was like an 01, 02, somewhere in there. Okay, so what happened when they made the playoffs? They they, they, they didn't lost. win. They won too many games. Can't win exactly. that many. Exactly. Yeah. So that's why I'm keep telling Paul, look, y'all can win. But like I told you uh, yesterday, when you make the playoffs, every team is 0-0 and is the best of the best. It's every team for itself. So they can win 120, 117 games all they want. But the playoffs is a different monster. You know what I'm saying? But I want to talk. To, I don't know if you've seen about this. I've seen something on ESPN yesterday that turned my stomach foot. What's that? They were talking about what if LeBron James, LeBum like I like to call him, would go and join the Golden State Warriors, oh. man. The Golden State don't want that go. No, no uh, the let, let, let's James, not. Let, let's not. Let's not go there. Yeah, we're not gonna go there. Yeah, yeah. 
And uh, another thing I wanted to touch on, uh, I got to agree with, uh, I think it was the first caller that called in. I, I really don't see Deshaun Watson even stepping on a football field ever again. Because, I mean, like, like, like that caller was saying, this is 24 women that's coming out with this. And every time they talk about Deshaun Watson, the one name that keeps coming to my mind is Ray Rice. The man, now, don't get me wrong, domestic abuse, I know the NFL is very strict on their domestic abuse policy, but he got banded from the game for domestic abuse. Now, this is 24 women that's coming out. Again, this is more, I I agree with Jay on this one, this is more about Robert Kraft than it is Ray Rice. I agree with that comparison, yeah. But it's I, a think, different. I think I think the Browns overpaid him because I don't think he, uh, they they better hold on to Baker Mayfield or, uh, I mean, but aren't you glad the Saints didn't pick him up? Well, it, man, it, y'all would be getting drugged and yeah, all this I'd be, drama I'd be, right I'd be, now. I'd be I'd be I'd be way too worried. I, I agree with that. I appreciate the call. Thanks. All right, man. Have a good right, positive thoughts. Go Red Sox. All right, one more call before we get to a timeout. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> I want to kind of change your uh, things up a little bit. I, I was talking to some people last week. I think we need to get rid of the commissioner we have in high school football. He's killing the programs. I kind of was told they haven't. Now, if you are if you have a kid that transfer from a zone, that you, you'd be put in a, in, a, uh, in a division playoff type deal. You heard anything about that? Oh, it's done. I mean, it, it, it's... Uh... If you have any kind of open enrollment, of course, there are exceptions to this. You know how that goes. So, like, you know, Lafayette High and Como and all these schools are going to be in the in the, in the the private school or select bracket. Yes, sir. Right, right. But, I mean, New Orleans has been having open enrollment for 50 years. Years, and they're going to be in there, too. Well, yeah, but, I mean, why Why all of a sudden we – Well, we, they're just trying to, they're trying to make it a little more equitable. They're trying to, right. anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but it ain't going to happen. They need to just put it back how it used to be. And this might be the first step to doing that, which I thought was impossible. But let me ask you, Banks, you an old basketball fan. Do you agree with me that the single greatest moment in NBA history is when Magic hit that hook shot in the garden and, and beat him in, in the lane? Oh, of course. Of course. Just to beat, just to beat birds. <laughs> that that was the, the single Thompson, greatest it, moment in NBA history, and number two is not even close. No, number two is not even close. Yeah, I agree. Now, now I tell you what was a great moment too when Reggie Miller hit the. Yes, the um, we 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 did mention that one earlier this week. The Nick the Knicks got a couple bad moments, and when Reggie hit all them shots in front of, yeah, no, that was that was tremendous. So right. that was on this list tremendous. as well. Yeah, but the hook shot in the garden was was the was the top of all of them. No, nothing heartbreaking about it. Nothing heartbreaking about it. Totally triumphant. Right. Yes, sir. Right, right, right. At least right. we agree on well, that. How you feeling though? What's been happening? I ain't talked to you in a while. I uh, know you've been incognito. I've been well. I've been working, man. We've been so busy, foot. I really ain't been listening because I I finally got back in my work truck. I've been doing some work in the office. And there's no radio, so I had never had access to get to you. All right. Well, yeah. we'll, well we got to get hooked up again. All right. We'll get hooked All up. Right. Uh, hopefully, we can have some good high school football coming up in a couple of months. All right. Thanks for the call, sir. All right. All right.
All right, we'll take a timeout. Come back, finish out the first hour next on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We love talking about sports. Yeah. You love listening to sports. Yeah. Sounds like we were meant to be together, or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All righty, welcome back. Well, we had way too much fun in that last segment, but that's okay. We are out of time, and so we will finish out this first hour now and come back with another hour to go. We'll be in, including at about 10.15. We'll be talking a little Belmont to finish out the Triple Crown Talk with Mr. Tom. We'll do it next on the game. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back. Two footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Astros play tonight against the Seattle Mariners in game three of that series. And it, it is um, the, the Mariners certainly have the pitching advantage and so we will see if the Astros can – it's been a long time. I should know this, but I don't. But it's been a long time since the Mariners won a series in in Houston. And it's been um, at least three or four years. And, 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 and so on paper, it's going to happen today. You know, so we'll see. But that's probably been the case before. and we'll, we'll see how it plays out. I, at least the Astros avoided the possibility of a sweep by winning last night. So that, that, that was good. Uh, I got to believe the fighting Otanis are going to um, win sooner or later. I mean, you can't lose every game. Every time they lose... It, you know, their chances of winning increased in my mind. They don't decrease. So I, I got to believe they're going to win real soon. I, I just, the Phil Nevin aspect of that is just, that is just awful. But anyway, the game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. We talked a co- little college baseball in the first hour. We've also talked about a little bit about our, our, um, NBA footnotes project where we talked about heartbreaking losses. Uh, just to kind of go over a f- um, what, what we've discussed so far this week, we had the, when the Lakers cheated the Kings uh, in game six of the Western Conference Final in 2002. I think that has a great chance of being really high up there. The 1965, Havlicek stole the ball. Um 
you know, anytime the Celtics win a big game, it's 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 a heartbreaking thing. So I, I can agree with that. Uh, when when Bird and Jerry Seasting and Danny Ainge and all of them cons- conspired and, and and stole the ball and and the Pistons blew that game in Game Five of the Eastern Conference Final in 1987, the the Michael Jordan Craig Hilo shot in 1989, uh, the Suns triple overtime loss to the Celtics um, in arguably the greatest game uh, in NBA history. Um, also, we've talked about the Bucks, 1970. Uh, FedEx man discussed that. The Bucks 19 game seven loss to the Celtics, which was just luck. Anytime Don Nelson made a shot, it was lucky, uh, which was luck that – um, we talked about the 84 Lakers loss when James were in Gerald Henderson. Oh, man, that was that was brutal. John Stockton hitting a three in 97 in the um, game seven of the Eastern Conference final when Michael Jordan cheated and pushed off of Byron Russell and hit the shot in the 1998 NBA finals. We talked about the Reggie Miller shot against the uh, – well, not shot, but many shots in that great fourth quarter. I think, I think he scored 24 points in that fourth quarter and beat the Knicks. We talked about – also had a suggestion, the John Paxson shot in the 1993 uh, finals. Uh, Nick Anderson missing those four free throws in game one of the – of the NBA Finals that year. Um, and one that I want to bring up, I, I think this is going to be really high on the list. Again, I'm an underdog guy. But I think Game 7 of the Conference Semifinals in, in 1988, Dominique Wilkins and the Hawks were playing against the Ugly Boys, the Celtics, in the Garden, Game 7. Dominic scored 47 points in the game. By the way, Doc Rivers had 18 assists in that game. Yeah, the, Doc Rivers is the coach now. He, he, he was a pretty good player. Uh, great college player, pretty good NBA player. He had 18 assists in that game. And Dominic just put it all out there, had an incredible performance. Game 7, trying to get to the conference finals. Uh, this was at the very beginning of the bad boy days for the Pistons. And the um, and the Celtics pulled it out one eighteen to one sixteen. They must have had some sort of I don't know what happened where they say okay we're going to turn this into a game of horse based on ugliness or something and 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 somehow the the Celtics came back and won. But no, that was a heartbreaking loss. Heartbreaking. That that that's going to be pretty close to the top, I think, by the end. All right, let's go to the game hotline. And see what's going on there. Hello. Good morning. Good morning, Kevin. Yes, sir. Uh, it took me. You know, listen. The there's a 24-hour rule, so you know, I uh, uh, collected my thoughts. I didn't want to call yesterday because, yeah, yeah. Okay, Kevin. I don't know how bad it was. I, I'm, you know, I'm, I just see. Like, because I really was prepared for LSU to lose. You know, I, I mean, on paper, I kept on saying there's no way they can win. They, they don't have a pitcher. I mean, you know, I, knew, I knew they had to start here, okay? And I said, well, they can't win. They can't win. I convinced myself. You know, I, I was going glass happy because you prepare yourself. And then 
the way the game played out in agonizing fashion, you take a lead and you can't pitch after they take you, you know. All right, and listen, once again, you know, I, I think I know a fair amount about baseball. I'm, I'm don't even remotely think about putting myself on the level of those people that they, you know, that have achieved the status. That, but when I saw big giant Gervais Gervais warming up in the third inning, I told my wife. My wife was sitting there. And I had a friend of mine was there watching him. God, that I go to game. With. I said, no, 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 they're not putting him in right now. <laughs> and, and, and I said, no, what, the, and my wife says, well, what's wrong with him? He's not good. I said, well, no, he's good. He's one, and, and I mean, you know, I know, the, the, he's one, I said, he's one of the best pitchers to have. He's just great. I love him. He's very reliable. I said, but he's the closer. And so my friend, you know, my brother starts laughing. My wife, of course, like I said, my wife doesn't, she doesn't get all that, you know. She says, it's so <laughs> but 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 Manny, this time of the year, you, you do unconventional the, things like that. You don't put the closer in. She said, well, "That's stupid." I said, "I don't care. I'm stupid." I said, "Do you know how these cats' brains are wired? You don't understand. This guy comes in in the seventh or eighth or ninth inning." And she said, "Well, that doesn't make any sense." And like I said, my my friend's laughing. And he said, "Oh yeah, it does." And sure enough. Kevin, I'm telling you, the cat has walked 11 people all year in almost 50 innings of work, okay? He gets in there, and he looks like a cat in water. He he did, he did looked like he wanted to be anywhere other than there. Three walks. Uh, I mean, just atrocious. Look, look, Manny, Manny, I get, Manny, I get what you're saying, and your point was legitimate. But look, the the closer for Texas State started the if necessary game, went seven innings, and gave up one run Uh, in seven innings to Stumford. Kevin, I know, I know. Listen, I know. Let me just tell you, it happens to everybody. Except LSU. Like the guy the night before. The guy had pitched nine innings. And he had a 4.70 already. And he went five scoreless innings or six, whatever. He went six. It happens to everybody but LSU. And, uh, and listen, it was one of those games, Kevin, I know, I know you probably didn't watch much. You thought where you just agonized and it felt like you were losing by five runs. In the seventh inning when we were still winning, four to three. I told my, my buddy, I said, man, I, we, we could win because it feels like we're losing by five and we're winning by a run. <laughs> and, and then Fondo and then came in and, you know, poor fella, he, he had a great outing. I was not, he, you know, he, he Kevin, the worst, the worst was he walked, he hit the first guy and they first and second and they bunt. And Kevin, what I'm telling you, he, could have fielded it with his hands without a glove, and he kicked it. So, of course, you know, they scored. They, they took the lead. They scored four runs. They said, okay, well, you know. And then they reached into your gut, and they came back. When Dugas hit the home run in the bottom of the eighth, the tie, I said, that's it. We're winning. We got the right guy on the mound because Raisman had thrown in before and smoked him. Yeah. Well, well, when he 
when he got back in there in the top of the lane, you, I could tell, you could tell, his, first, his pitches were 91, 92, and I mean, he's never below 95. I mean, he just doesn't throw anything below 95. His fastball was 91, 92, and, you know, he was kind of shaking his arm. So, you know, he had thrown the day before. And so, I'll be lo and behold, you know, he gave up what he gave up. And, you know, of course, the last inning, Doty, Doty starts off the inning with a rocket. I mean, he, he, the third baseman didn't see it. He just put his glove out there and it bounced right to his glove. But anyway, you know, it, it, it was a, it was expected, but the way they, it happened was just every pitch. But, but listen, let's be, you know, I, it, I, 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 we've experienced many, many worse losses than that because it, it, they had the better team, Kevin. I mean, you, they, they had the better team, and I mean. Jay Johnson said after the game, they're the better team. They are, they're pitching this. The man said, Kevin, infinitely more, you know, better than better than ours. Well, let, let me finish with this. I'm gonna say I know some people are skeptical, but but I believe wholeheartedly that this guy, Jay Johnson, is the man for the job. I I can tell you one thing. I'm I'm assured of. I mean, the man's he's got a wife. He doesn't have any kids. He, he, this is what he said when they asked him about, you know, what about next? He said, I don't want to talk about next year. I don't want to, you know, and I don't want to, you know, I'm, I'm focused on going in and talk to my guys. I said, but I'll tell you this. I'm going to work. Coach Kelly's going to work. Coach Fitzgerald's going to work. He said, we are going to work. And he said, I guarantee you, we are going to put, you know, we, gonna, we, we are going to get you where you want to go. So, I just think with 100% certainty that they will be back in Omaha in short order. And I believe, you know, once you get there, Kevin, you know how that is. Yeah. That's a crapshoot. You know, I, I believe that they, they, they have the right man. So I'm very optimistic. And, uh, you know, even though it was bad, I, I've seen worse. And, hey, today, Wednesday, man, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm ready for football season, Kevin. Let's go. All right. Thanks, hey, and Manny. Listen, and listen, that Dennis Johnson, that. Stealing the ball, Eric Burns, Dennis Johnson—that's got to be one of the most disgusting, disappointing losses in the history of any sport. That when they stole that ball in the inbound play against the Pistons, I yes. think I broke everything in my yes. house. Yes, yes, I agree. All right, yeah. All right. y'all hey. have a great day. Thanks. Talk to y'all later. All right, let's go back to the hotline. Hello, hello. Is he still there? Go ahead. I don't know what's happened. He must have got distracted. Maybe he can call back. Game hotline is 706-0111. I, I didn't know where Manny would fall on that deal. I'm glad to hear. See, I, I've always liked Manny. And um, I really like him now because he agrees with me that that was um, – one of the more heartbreaking um, losses ever. This top ten is starting to starting starting to take shape. I'm telling you that Dominic Wilkinson. That was. Just, I mean, look, if you hate the Hawks and you hated Dominic Wilkins, um, I it's not heartbreaking. I get that. I I don't know that many people that hated the Atlanta. I mean, the Atlanta Hawks have never to me been a team to hate. Uh, they've always a little bit on a little bit on the underdog side, 
Dominique Wilkins was a little too flashy maybe for some people, but I don't know anybody that hated Dominique Wilkins. And you could just tell how hard he played in that game. And then, you know, nobody would pull for the – I mean, why would you ever pull for the Celtics against the Hawks unless you were, like, just from there? So, no, that, that was – that was that's top three or four, I think. That was, that was a heartbreaking loss, heartbreaking. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Kevin, I think you all lost your minds. What you mean? You know, all the, the best moment in the NBA history is the Magic hit the hook. Not even the number two is not even close. Like what's even close to that? Kevin, y'all lost your mind. What? The, the Magic hitting the hook is number two. The greatest moment in NBA history is when Ball did Jordan retired and made the NBA clean again. Point blank. <laughs> End of story. Have a good one. Okay. <laughs> But you see the difference. Look, we all have our perspective, and we all can like it's, you know we all should have one team or one guy that we can be irrational about. And 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 when you do that, you're doing your job. I get that. And and the man hates Jordan. I get that. But I don't hate Jordan. I know some people think I do. I don't because I because I call the Chicago Bulls Larry Holmes. They think that I hate Jordan, but I don't hate Jordan. Again, I'm a, I was an old school Carolina fan. I remember when they first got Jordan and watching him. Anytime that he was on TV, I watched him. And so, I, you know, going back to the, you know, I was pulling for Carolina. I'm not like diehard Carolina, die Carolina guy, but I was pulling for Carolina, you know, before Jordan. I didn't even know who Michael Jordan was in the 70s. And so I don't hate Jordan. But, but no, Jordan... The, the NBA, college basketball in the 80s was the best that it'll ever be. NBA basketball in the 80s is the best that it will ever be. When Michael jo- when, um, when Magic hit that shot, that was the greatest moment in NBA history. And look, you can hate Michael Jordan. I understand your perspective, Rockefeller, but you're wrong. N- number two is not even close. Not even close to that. That was the greatest moment in NBA history. Completely and thoroughly triumphant. All right. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, talk to Mr. Tom. Get his thoughts on the Belmont. We don't have that triple crown talk like we have in some years, but still very interesting to see what's going to happen here. We've been talking triple crown races with the Derby and the Preakness and now the Belmont for a couple months now, so we'll – Finish it up with Mr. Tom next on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. June 8th, 1996, LSU's Warren Morris hits the game-winning home run off of Miami's Robbie Morrison. The home run is the only walk-off championship-winning homer in College World Series history. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. 
your home for LSU Tigers and Houston Astros and want to remind you a couple things. One, this is the last day to be eligible to maybe win the prize for the Astro getaway uh, Saturday, June the 18th against the White Sox. So you need to go to the website, join the clubhouse today. Also, Next Home Cutting Edge Realty is holding its annual Loop Day on Saturday from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. The charity event benefits Canine Companion, which is a nonprofit that gives to those with disability dogs. The event is being located at Boye Park Dog Park uh, on 411 West Bluebird Drive, right next to Como High School. There'll be a food truck, Kona Ice Snow, snow Cone Stand, music and treats and prizes. All benefits, all proceeds go to canine companions that's the next home cutting edge realties luke day on saturday all right we have with us mr tom belmont is saturday uh i don't know what i mean this is to me mr tom this is gonna be a hard race to handicap how, how are you coming along on that front yeah it is because of the length of the track it does create some problems but let me before i get into this let me say there are nine grade one races on Saturday at Belmont. For anybody that's interested, there's some great horses running prior to the Belmont. So anybody interested, tune it in because you're going to see some runners. And in the fifth race, they've got a mile and a half Brooklyn that's going to run with Lone Pine. So you get a chance to see how they're running around that mile and a half part. But, yes, this is a difficult horse race to handicap for two th- two reasons. You've got to have speed, and you've got to have stamina to win this race. And when you look at all of these horses, some of them have speed, but they ain't got no stamina. Some of them have stamina, but they don't have any speed. So it makes it real difficult to figure out who's going to be there at the end. That's the big problem I'm having. All right, so... Like, is there a horse that just matches up better than Belmont that than than if he ran in the in the Preakness or, or the Derby? Matches better at Belmont. Yeah, or does that not exist? Oh boy, um, it, it's hard to say. The, the the one horse we the people drew the rail, and he's the only speed in the race. So if he can get out on the track and back the pace down to fifty flat quarters. Or maybe a one sixteen three eighths or four or six eighths or three quarters of a mile. Maybe he could go all the way. But and I have a little bit of a problem with this horse. Um, we the people has always been a handful, you know, uh, hard to hard to train, hard to keep uh, focused. And Rudy's gonna have his hands full. Rudy Brissett's gonna have his hands full with this horse. He'll be on the front. He'll probably be out there with Skippy Longstocking and Creative Minister. Uh, and then you're going to have Rich Strike and Mo Donegal and Barbaro take it up the rear. And Nest, who's another Pletcher horse, is Philly. I mean, you know, these Phillies run well at a mile and a half. I mean, people think, boy, the longer you go, the harder it's going to be. But it's not really that way. The longer you go, the harder it is to catch up. Does that make sense? So, you know, you've been talking about, you kind of not like picked it or, but you always, you know, you've been intrigued with Barbara Road from the very beginning yeah. of this process. Yeah. So is this, yeah. is this, could this be his race? Well, remember when I told you six weeks ago, they should change the jockey? Yes, sir. Uh, they did. 
They put Joel Rosario, a really one of the best jockeys, probably the best jockey in America outside of Flavian Pratt. Right now, the best jockey in America. This guy can handle a horse, okay? So the problem they're going to have with Barber Road is putting him closer, you know? If he decides he wants to run 20 legs back, well, they'll just be trotting around the track while everybody else crosses the finish line. So he's going to have to wrangle this horse up a little closer. And if he gets him a little closer, is that going to take away the speed at the end that he's going to need? But, yes, they changed jockeys. They made a positive jockey change. This horse has a very, very good chance in this race. Yes, he's going to be. Everybody tells me no, but I'm going to say yes, he's got a good chance. All right, so if Rich Strike wins this yeah. race, yeah, like historically, th- this horse is going to have to go from this long shot to a pretty accomplished position if Rich Strike wins this race. It'd be really nice, but if we look back at the past position, at the post positions prior to the Derby, remember we had a problem with Rich Strike. He wasn't in until uh, 3 o'clock Friday afternoon. So most people never even looked at him. You know, he's also eligible. He probably never picked. But when you look at him real, real hard, he was a closer. He had every right to win that race, and he was as good as the rest of the horses. Now, can he come into Belmont and do the same? He's had a great workout at Churchill. He's done everything right getting to Belmont. He's worked out fine at Belmont. But his his horse, the horse and the rider, have never been on this track. Kevin, the problem is for horses and for any horseman out there that know what I'm talking about, when they get to the back stretch and they get to the last turn where the one where the quarter pole ought to be and horses quicken a bit on the turn, that's the five eighth pole at Belmont. That means you've got another two hundred and twenty yards before the finish where your horse if he moves right then he's gonna be flat at the end. So you have to let that horse run until you're about halfway through the last turn and then take off. Hopefully you'll be close enough to win. That's the problem that Sonny Leon's going to run into. Is he going to move him too quick? And then he'll run out of space and won't have enough left. I, I, I like the horse, but I think that's, that would hold me back, especially five to two, and especially five to two, five to two and two to one on we the people. That's way too short for these horses, way too short. Is this does post position not matter in the Belmont? No, it doesn't make a difference in this race. No, not at all. The, the, the one hole will be twenty feet out from the rail anyway. You know, it won't matter. This is a the Amazon River, the Belmont. I mean, it is huge, and so it's not going to make any difference at all. They'll be starting at the halfway and then be a while before they get to the first turn. Why are so many people high on Mo Donegal? Because he's Todd Pletcher's horse. He's Todd Pletcher's big horse. He ran extremely well in the wood, but that was at Aqueduct. You don't need to be in the in the same position you need to be. This horse is going to have to be placed a lot closer to the other horses. But Irad can do that. Irad Ortiz is one of the best jockeys in the country. He could do that. But here's the problem. Even if he does it, will the horse do it? You know? Some horses don't want to race that close, but if he races too far back, he'd be shamming the in the in he'd be shamming the Belmont, you know. He'd be way back at the end. But if he gets up close and he still has punch, he's a hot horse. I've heard nothing except we the people and Mo Donegal all week. You know, so what can I say? He just doesn't have any speed to start with, and that's gonna hurt. So 
would you uh, if you want if you wanted people and you have a little bit of that in you you prefer to almost take it's more fun to take a long shot if you were going to take <laughs> a long shot would it be yeah. Skippy Longstocking or Golden Glider? Oh, I wouldn't touch either one of them if they gave me money to play them. <laughs> There's no way, no way. If Skippy wins this race, he's got something I don't know about. And if Golden Glider wins, uh, I don't see that at all. No. So there is no long two. shot. Yeah, there is, and hopefully he'll pay some money. And his name is Creative Minister. If creative minister goes off between five and ten to one, he's to play. And I'll tell you why. Kenny McPeak came to the Belmont in 2002 or three. I can't remember. He had a horse called Sarava, S-A-R-A-V-A. He had a horse called Sarava. Well, he didn't think the horse had a chance, but the horse came running at the end, and he paid uh, $146. So you you have to respect him. Creative Minister has been getting, you remember what I said at the beginning of the Derby season, getting better is important. He's been getting better every single race. Now, here's the rub. Will he move too soon? Will his jockey, little Brian Hernandez from Lafayette, will he move this horse too soon in the Derby, in the, in the, in the, in this Belmont Stakes to win? Will he move him too soon? If he doesn't move him too soon, I think he's got a chance to win. I think he'll stay in the race, and he can got a, he's got a real good shot to win. But, again, this race is tricky, uh, Kevin. This is a tricky race because of the, the, the track itself. I've seen so many horses just stop in the stretch. Look, Marty Jones is a perfect example of a horse moving too soon. Stuart, Stuart Elliott in 2004 moved Marty Jones too soon, and you saw what happened at the end. He just didn't have anything left in the tank, and uh, and Birdstone went right by. So that can happen. But if it rains on Saturday, Kevin, <clears throat> we the people all the way around. All right. So so it sounds like you like Creative Minister more than Barber oh, yeah. Road, more than Barber Road. I like. Yes, I do. I like it because of where Barber Road runs. You know, you can't run twenty lengths back. It's just hard to do. He's not going to pass everybody is what it amounts to. So, I mean, yes, I think creative minister stays closer to the pace. But, again, is he going to be good enough? That's a big, big question. He's getting better every single week, and he's going to run good, I think. I, I like. I think he's going to run good in the Belmont. All righty. Well, it's been, you know, when, when there's no triple crown talk, it kind of yeah. loses its luster. But I think yeah. for not having any triple crown talk at all, I think it's been f- pretty interesting to analyze all these races. It, it has been, and I'm, I want to repeat again, there are nine grade one races on Saturday. This is, this is the, the Breeders' Cup. This is as good as the Breeders' Cup this Saturday. And the end of it is the Belmont, which is probably not – better than any of those other eight races, if you understand what I mean. Right. The other eight races are just as good for people that are interested in horse races. So the Belmont is an interesting race, but it's only the quota on a big, big day at Belmont. All right, sir. Well, we appreciate all your expertise. Enjoy, uh, enjoy the race. Thank you very much. Thank you, Kevin. Thanks for having me. All right, Mr. Tom. Uh, I don't know. I, I think it'd be fun if Rich Strike won this race, personally. Because, I mean, if you win the Derby and the Belmont and you didn't run in the Preakness, that puts you pretty good pretty good standing. So it would be from this unbelievable long shot in a way. And then if he won the Belmont, I don't know 
if maybe the whole Kentucky Derby thing wasn't as much of a long shot as we as we thought and much of an upset as we thought. So I, I kind of hope Rich Strike wins. We'll see how it plays out on Saturday. All right, we'll take a timeout, come back, finish up some loose ends when we come back on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It's not uncommon here on Footnotes for Kevin Foote's voice and his blood pressure to rise rapidly during the show. The fat guys like you and me need to be watching mop-up time just like the stars do. Sometimes it rises a little too high. That is stupid. Stupid. Not to worry. We have EMT standing by just in case Foot passes out. Back to more footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. I want to tell you about a free trail event. Trail is putting on a free all-day event Saturday at Cafe 20.3 on 1500 General Mouton. In addition to free paddling, there will be a party featuring live music to help out the Mile Zero Heroes by raising awareness and funds to build a new teat for park and boat launch at Mile Zero on the Vermilion River. Donations and sponsorships are welcome trail will match up to $20,000 in donation. For more information, visit www.latrail.org. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Yes, I'm on. Yes, sir. Heartbreaking, man. I remember this. And look, by this time in my life, man, I wasn't rooting for a team. I just rooted for players. Uh, A heartbreaking loss, man. It was uh, 2000 when the uh, Trailblazers had that 17-point lead. In the fourth quarter against the Lakers, the Lakers came back. They capped it off with that uh, Kobe alley oop to Shaq. You know, infamous play you keep seeing over and over. Um, and the reason, you know, so crazy about that, Matt. The reason I didn't root for those Lakers because when they hired Phil Jackson, I was like, oh, no, I don't, I don't like this. You know, and and that, and that was weird because I rooted for him before. Um, that was a heartbreaking loss. I wanted the Trailblazers because the Trailblazers had a nice, had a nice. Ross of uh, veteran players. But anyway, um, anyone mention that Ray Allen shot? No, but but that 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 needs to be mentioned. The Ray Allen shot, and the other one that I thought was it was almost more angry and maddening, and than it was um, um, heartbreaking. But I think it falls under heartbreaking is when the when they cheated when Dwayne Wade shot fifty thousand free throws to beat the Mavericks in Game Six of that. Uh, what was that? Two thousand five, whatever year that was. The the uh, the Heat beat the um, six. Two thousand six. Yeah, when the Heat beat the um, the Mavs. That that, that was, was awful. That that I, I think that needs to be on the list too. Okay. Well, well, what about LeBron James? Uh, like that series. That was a uh, you know. So the Mavs got their revenge, I guess. Yeah, uh, but yeah, um, but my thing is this: you you mentioned the Lakers cheated the Kings. Lakers didn't cheat the Kings. That's the refs. Like let, let's give let's let's give credit what yeah, credit is due. But but no. Why would you the, say the Lakers cheated them? Because the, the, the Lakers' execution had nothing to do with winning that game. Okay, I feel, but 
But I mean, you're, you're technically cheated, correct. Yeah. You're technically <laughs> correct. But, you know, like I say, the Saints cheated the Vikings in the NFC Championship game. It wasn't the Saints that did it. The officials did it. But the Saints got the glory for it. So that's just kind of the way I say it. You're, you are technically correct. Yes. Um. Yeah, man, that was a good one, man. That Dominique Wilkins. That one, I'm telling you, that was rough. That was rough. He played tremendous. That was that was that was the the to me the definition of a heartbreaking loss is that one. Yes. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Let's go back to the game hotline. Hello, Kevin. Yes, sir. Hey, as always, enjoying the show. We appreciate it. Thank you. I had I had a quick question for you, and I want to say something about basketball. Uh, Justin Verland. I remember him when he was with the Tigers. And uh, I just wanted to know where you kind of rank him at because, I don't know, he seems like one of the best ever. We'll get your opinion on that right quick. Well, you know, I, I, I haven't actually sat down and ranked him at all, but he, he's certainly uh, he, he's climbing the list. And, you know, he passed up Smoltz last night. I certainly think he's better than Smoltz. Um, I think he's, um, you know, he's getting close to the to the Clemens range. I don't know that he's quite there yet, but uh, he, he's rising the list. I, I, I'm yeah. ranking him higher than I would have like five or six years ago for sure because of the great finish to his career. Correct. Well, he's in his, what, mid-40s now? or Oh, no, he's not that old. There? He's not in the 40s. He's yet. not I mean, that old? No, yeah, he's not at 40 yet, no. Oh, okay. Well, I heard you last week. Man, Kevin, I'm a big. I was a big Seattle SuperSonics fan back in the day. Oh. Well, all the way till they left the, uh, uh, until they left Seattle. You didn't think John Johnson could have played for the Celtics? He was ugly enough, and Sigma was certainly ugly enough to hey, play for the Celtics. Hey, he just had. He, well, Sigma had a beautiful turnaround jumper. Oh God! And Dennis Johnson, he just had. He, he had freckles. I mean, he wasn't really an ugly guy. Not that John Johnson was ugly though. John Johnson was even uglier than Dennis Johnson. Now, the one guy I liked on that team. Downtown Freddie Brown. Now, that oh, was a cat. Oh, yeah. And Slick oh, Watts. Oh, yeah, and Gus Williams. Oh, and Slick Lonnie Watts Shelton. was a cat. Oh, I hated oh, Lonnie Oh, yeah, Shelton. all them guys. Oh, I yeah. And then on, on down the line, talk about defense. How about Gary Payton? He was a defensive player. And Nate McMillan. Very good defensive no, basketball I, I, player. I didn't hate those teams, but those teams in the late 70s, I hated those teams. Hated them. <laughs> <laughs> I followed them all the way through till they left, and then when they left, I stopped watching the NBA. I don't. I, I get you know, it. I get it. I, and I'm just, I'm just getting back into the Major League Baseball right now, being I'm uh, not working, and I'm enjoying it. You know, I, I'm becoming an Astro fan. Go Astros! All Kevin. right. I'm glad. It's a good time to good follow them. To you. Take care. Thank yes, you. Sir. You too. Bye-bye. By the way, I'm really glad he brought up Verlander. They showed a graphic last night that was just alarming. Well, I don't know if alarming is the right word. It was amazing. I'm going to have to go back and, and get that when I'm my mind's a little clear. Basically, right now, Clemens and Verlander, Verlander has thrown the same, made the same amount of starts that Clemens did when he had his little soiree with the Astros. The difference is when it came time for the World Series, Verlander stepped up and Clemens kind of fell by the wayside. But anyway, um, their stats are almost identical, except for a few categories. Like Clemens, 
Verlander gave up like 40-something homers more than Clemens gave up. Like, it was like 70-something to 33. But but Verlander struck out 200 more batters. I was I couldn't even believe it when I saw that. The same amount of starts. They both have had like 80-something starts now. So, like, they've gotten to where Verlander's pitched, I don't know about the same amount of games, but the same starts as, I think it was 84 starts, something like that. And 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 their, start, their ERAs and all that, I mean, was, it was just very, very, almost the same. But the big difference was Verlander struck out 200 more batters than Clemens. That, that amazed me. And it did not totally amaze me how many more home runs than, than Verlander because Verlander's given up a lot of solo homers since he came to the Astros. But like 40 more homers, that, that was a pretty dramatic uh, thing. But no, there's no question Verlander is climbing the list and, and um, he is um, he's really good. And, I, you know, he, I don't know if you saw his postgame interview last night, but, you know, he's basically said he's not out of the water yet. He's still got to monitor himself. He's not good in terms of like coming off an injury and, you know, anything bad could happen at any time, which we all know. But. Uh, you could tell it's still kind of on, on his mind. But, no, I'm glad he brought up Verlander because that was a, an interesting aspect that they showed from last night's game. But, no, the more we get to this and talk about this NBA, I I think I think the one that he did uh, that Jay just said about the Blazers is a good one. Um, but but that Dominic Wilson, Wilkins one, was oh, that was brutal. Uh, and uh, and the Kings one with the Lakers brutal, and that Pistons one that uh, that Manny second was was brutal. So it'll be hard to beat those in in the top five. And you know I I, I don't hate the Knicks. You know some a lot of people like to laugh at the Knicks, but I I don't I don't really hate them. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello, hello. Howdy. Go ahead. Kevin. Yes, sir. Kevin. Yes, sir. So the so the Divac Capot the Hora is on there, right? Wait, say that again. So the Vlad Divac Capot to Robert Horry, that's on there, right? No. What? Tell me about it. For the Kings and the Lakers game. Was now, that Robert Horry hit? Was was that game six or game seven? I believe that was game six, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Game six is on here. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think it was game six. That's gonna be yeah. that's gonna be tough. That's one of the, that's that's one of the most crushing moments. Oh man, yeah, that was that real. was awful. I mean, no, that was awful. That was awful. And again, yeah, the Lakers won. But 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 no, there's no question that, that that's a top three or four. Yes, I agree. Yeah, because that was that was crushing, man. Cause I thought for sure they had us beat. You know, they were playing the better ball at that time and stuff. And I kinda agree with Jay too, even though I'm a diehard Laker fan, but I never did like Phil Jackson. It, it, it was kind of hard to stumble him, you know what I'm saying? Me pulling for my team no, and everything. I get that. He's on the sideline. Yeah, I get that. So I had to just deal with it because he's a, he's our coach. But man, I hate that cat too, man. I'm like, man, this is how you become a Laker coach, and now they, and now they got the idiot back supposedly helping us make decisions or whatever. And I'm yeah. like, come on. Yeah, I don't know you about know? that plan. Yeah, come on, enough is enough, man. Enough is enough. 
I mean, right. some idiots uh, overstay their welcome. It's, it's been time to go. So why did why Gene want to bring him back into the fold and get his input on anything? And he's proving that he can't build anything. You got to be tailor made for him. It has to be. It has to be. That's why I don't think he's the best coach of all time, Kevin. Do you agree with that? Well, again, you know all that best coach of all time. It's all silliness. We don't know who the best coach of all time is. We have no idea. <laughs> now, look, Kevin, best coach of all time else. probably didn't even probably didn't even it. win a title. Look, I, I, I want to ask you something else, but I, I was uh, I kind of forgot about it. But uh, I think I'm remembering right about. What I want to ask you, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to ask you tomorrow. I want to make sure I'm getting it right, but I want to ask you uh, something tomorrow that you said before. Okay. And that's some of the craziest stuff I ever heard, but it's true. It's true. But I want to make sure I'm getting it right, and I'm going to ask you tomorrow, Kevin. All right. Well, text it to me. I, I won't lie. All right. Kevin, I won't lie to you. You drive us crazy sometimes, but I will ask you tomorrow. Okay. I'll talk All to right. you later. All right. All right. We'll take a time out. We'll finish out today's show next on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Which NFL MVP annoys Kevin Foote the most? Who is Aaron Rodgers? He's the most arrogant athlete I've ever seen. I think he's really, to his core, that arrogant. He really believes, why in the world are you even speaking to me? You are a lower form of human being. That kind of arrogance is what I'm talking about, and I think that's who Aaron Rodgers is. That is correct. Now, back to more footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Well, that's the perfect song to go out with. <laughs> Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Want to remind you, if you would like to win a $50 gift certificate to have Shell Oyster House, you simply need to go to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Join the clubhouse. You might win a $50 gift certificate to have Shell Oyster House. Also want to remind you, like we've done earlier, today's the last day if you want to Try to win tickets to that Saturday, uh, June 18th game against the Chicago White Sox. Uh, you need to go to the website, join the clubhouse today. All right. I am about to head out on vacation. So next week, we're going to, um, George will be in most of the time, George Faust, and he'll be continuing our footnote summer project. Next week is college football. So there'll be plenty of people will be doing a he'll be doing a UL top 10 list or trying to come up with one an LSU top 10 list. So get your college football heartbreaking losses and memories ready for George next week should be uh, y'all. Y'all will have lots of fun and I'm pretty sure I will be while I'm going. So we'll um, y'all take care and have a nice day.